the teams you care about. The Patriots are now closer to the bottom of the AFC than the top. That's a fact. The stories that matter to you. Trevor Story, man, he makes the Red Sox much, much better in 2022. This is your home for New England sports. I I'm just wondering what happens next for UVA, because I think there could be a lot of turnover on that roster. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB-AM, FM, and WDEBRadio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in on a Friday on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEB-AM and FM and WDEBRadio.com. Short show today. We're up until 6.10. Then we bring you Red Sox baseball. Sox open up a new series with the Chicago White Sox, Boston 10 and 16, and looking to get going. Reminder, by the way, know this. This series is going to be really hard for you to watch on television. So the radio is your friend, and it's free. Remember that. Tonight, the game is on Apple Plus, and only Apple Plus. You can't watch it on Nesson. You can't find it on ESPN Plus. It's only on Apple Plus. So this one, hard to watch. Radio is your friend. Our coverage begins at 610. Sunday, Mother's Day, early game, 1135 is the first pitch. That game is only on Peacock, I believe, so that could be hard to get for a lot of people. So the radio is your friend, and remember, we are free. So there's your little PSA there. So we'll talk to you right now about the Red Sox as we go up until 610. Some notes on the Patriots, the Celtics as well, who take on the Bucks tomorrow afternoon in Game 3. You can get in on the Napa-Morrisville, Napa-Waterbury text line at 802 585 3026, your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, my Twitter account, and get in in all those places. Everybody, let's waste no time. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. The Red Sox are bringing up outfield prospect once again, Jaron Duran. They're doing this because Kike Hernandez is not feeling well. He's been put on the COVID list. He has not tested positive for COVID at this point, but he is exhibiting symptoms. So he is on the COVID list. Rich Hill is also on the COVID list, despite pitching yesterday and pitching very well. So first and foremost, I hope that Rich Hill and Kike feel better. I hope they don't have COVID. I hope they're okay. I hope they get well soon, and I hope that they are back soon. Secondly, on just the baseball-only perspective of this, I think that Jaron Duran should now be up permanently, and I think that Jaron Duran should be here to play every day. He should be in Boston to stay. He should be in the lineup. He should be taking the repetitions of one Jackie Bradley Jr. on most nights. This is now the right thing to do. I don't need Jaron Duran to be here for a cup of coffee until Kike feels better. I don't need him to be on the bench and come out as a pinch hitter or a pinch runner or a defensive replacement. I don't need him to be a platoon guy for somebody. I need to see Jaron Duran for a long look. It is just time. You need to see what you have in this kid. I get it. He came up last year, and he was largely awful. Yes, he had a few nice moments. 1-0 pitch. He's lashed the other way. This ball hit well. It is back, and it is gone. Duran goes back-to-back -back with Kike, and the Red Sox lead it 4 to nothing. So I get it. There was a couple of good moments, but he was largely awful last year. But he's been really, 
really good at AAA this year, hitting 370 with a 460 on base percentage in his first 63 plate appearances at Worcester and AAA. He's 25 years old. He's got great speed, which which this team does not have a ton of. He's got some power, but more importantly, it's just time to see what you have officially. Like I just said, Jaron Duran is 25 years old. This isn't where he's 20. This isn't he's 22. 25, that's an age where guys are impacting baseball teams. That's an age where some guys are carrying baseball teams. So is Jaron Duran an answer for me in the future or not? You need to start getting that answer. Is he a guy that I can pencil in as a starter for next year when both Jackie Bradley and Kike Hernandez are free agents and could be gone? I've got to know if he's somebody that I can count on. It's time to give him that long look. If he's not the answer answer for the future, then you've got to know you've got to address even more in free agency in the offseason. Jaron Duran needs to play. You need to get a look on him. You need to get an answer on him because if he's good, great. You're set next year at one outfield position, one more outfield position. If he's bad, and you need to cut bait, then fine. But you need to do more than in the offseason. You need an answer on Duran so you can start to figure out the answers for your entire baseball team. I've said multiple times, I'd trade Duran potentially as part of a deal for some pitching or a more established offensive piece. Don't you also want to know and see if he's good enough to know if he has that kind of trade value? Because you're not going to find that answer solely in AAA anymore. If he's a guy that can be dealt, teams are going to want to see him do it at the major league level. This works on every level. The team right now needs a jolt. Maybe Duran can provide it. He certainly can't hurt it. In the future, you want to know if he's your guy, and you also want to know if he can be somebody else's guy so you can trade him. Jaron Duran is up. That makes me happy. Jaron Duran now needs to stay. It's time to do something different for the 2022 Red Sox, and the front the front office needs the answers as well. I don't think that bringing up Jaron Duran is punting on the season. I don't think it is, nor do I think that it should be. Jackie Bradley Jr., he hit well yesterday, he had two hits, but he's hitting 200. I'd rather let Jaron Duran hit 200 and get the answer on him than keep playing JBJ. All along, Jackie Bradley belonged as this team's fourth outfielder. It's time to put him in that spot. I believe that with prolonged playing time, Duran can provide, at worst, comparable offense to JBJ. And at best, he can provide the spark and infuse some excitement in this offense that drastically needs it. You know... The one thing I do have an issue with is Jaron Duran is hitting leadoff today. And we'll give you the lineups here at about 6.05. Duran's hitting leadoff. I'd rather him hit at the bottom of the order. A couple of different reasons. One, Duran came up last year and was awful, right? So now you put him in the leadoff spot like, hey, kid, the guy that we just signed to a six-year, $140 million deal, deal, Trevor Story, that guy right now isn't working out at leadoff. You go do it. Oh, okay. I got to replace the multi-time all-star. I don't need Duran to have that kind of pressure. And secondly, 
The Sox seven through nine hitters are last in baseball in OPS. There would be no harm in putting Duran down at the bottom of the order. He could not be any worse than those guys. And just maybe if you put him seventh or eighth, he can give you some punch at the bottom of the order. So I'd rather see him hitting down there. But I am happy that he's up and he's playing tonight. He needs to stay there. He needs to stay there. I heard Tom Karen of Nesson say it to us earlier this week. Rob Bradford of WEI said it earlier this week on the pregame show right here on WDEV. It's time to see what Duran can do. 25. That's no spring chicken in prospect world. I can't just hold this kid down there until he's 26, 27, and then say, hey, we'll bring him up. 25. This is the time. This is the time. Make it happen. If he's good, then great. If he's bad, well, then that sucks. But at least I know what I'm working with for the future. You, The Red Sox have a lot of free agents next year. Avaldi, Hill, Waka, Kike, Bradley. There's, there's going to be some turnover on this roster. You want to know where you need to make moves and where you don't. It's why I'm in favor of keeping Jer- uh, Garrett Whitlock in the rotation. And it's why now I'm... Um, a proponent of putting Jaron Duran in the everyday lineup for a while. Look, if, if after a month and a half he's hitting 127, then you can send him back down, but you got your answer. But if after a month and a half he's hitting 265, well, then maybe you got your answer for the future too, and it helps this year's team. That's what I'm in favor of. It is the Brady Farkas Show. The Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line is open at 802 585 3026. As the Red Sox welcome the White Sox, and as the Red Sox are 10 and 16, I am very worried about the state of the Red Sox. And I think you should be too. And Buster Olney of ESPN told us yesterday he was also. I think we definitely have gotten to that point where it is time for major concern with all the issues going on between the offense and Trevor Story struggling. It does feel like the Red Sox need a major reset in major conversation, something, especially with how well the Yankees and the Blue Jays are playing. I'm worried about the Red Sox for multiple reasons, but these are the two biggest ones. One, a lot of the teams in the American League, they're good. There isn't an easy avenue to get to the playoffs. Even if the Red Sox start playing better themselves, the odds that they can just start racking up wins and passing everybody, that's not great. Like, you're going to lose games by virtue of a lot of good teams being in the AL. Yankees, Rays, Jays, they're all in your division. They'll all be tough. You're going to lose some games there. You're going to fall further behind in some cases. You're not just going to be able to pass guys because you're not going to sweep series. Angels, who you just saw, they if they're healthy, they appear to be good. The Astros appear, once again, to be good. The Mariners have lost 8 of 9 right now. At the moment, they're awful, but they may end up being good, too. They may go on a run and you and may be hard to pass. The White Sox and Twins are good. Like There's not a whole lot of freebies in the American League. It's hard to come back from a big hole. I mean, the Red Sox are already five and a half games back of the, of the wild card. I don't care much about the wild card standings, you know, Three and a, you know we are one month into the season. I don't care much about the wild card standings one month into the season, but 
If you're eight and a half out in the division and five and a half out in the wild card and you're near the bottom of the league, you're currently tied with the Orioles for last place in your division, you could be in last place by the end of the night tonight. That's a lot of ground to make up even already a month into the season. So, no, I, I, I do fear that eventually the hole is going to get too big. And then, two, Lee Cattell was saying this to me earlier on the uh, on the midday news service. Like, the thing that has people excited about this team is something that is a huge question. People are waiting for Chris Sale and for James Paxton to come back. So you're telling me that I'm supposed to be eagerly waiting for a pair of 30-plus-year-old pitchers, one who came off Tommy John surgery last August, and another who is coming off Tommy John surgery now? These are supposed to be my saving graces? This doesn't elicit a whole lot of excitement from me. I have no idea what to expect from Sale and Paxton. Sale's been hurt almost every year that he's been here, and Paxton has been hurt a lot in his career. When he got to the Yankees, he was hurt a lot. Tommy John surgery last year when he went back to Seattle. Like, I don't know if either one of them will really help, and I certainly don't think that they can come and just save the entirety of the season. I just... They're not going to fix the offense that's been a problem that's down near the bottom of the league in every metric. This team has deeper needs, and I look now and I think these pitchers are not going to solve all of them. Let's take a couple of texts. Phil in Middlesex actually said this to me earlier in the week, and I've been wanting to get to it. says, Brady, now is the time to trade Xander Bogarts. You can get a huge haul for him. Well, one, I don't know. If you can get a huge haul for him. In fact, I would doubt that you can get a huge haul for him. Xander Bogarts is a great player. He'd certainly yield you something nice in a trade return. But I don't think he'd get you as much as you think. He's basically a free agent at the end of the year because of this opt-out. So teams don't mortgage entire farm systems for that situation. Look at what you got from the Dodgers for Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts had one year of team control. They were going to get him for a full year in L.A. You got good catching prospect, above average infield prospect, and you got one major leaguer in Verdugo. That's a pretty good haul for for Mookie. Bogey's going to hit. He's going to have less than half of a team year, or less than half of a year of team control. I don't think you're getting as much as you got for Mookie even. I don't think you're getting somebody's like one, two, and three prospects for two and a half months of Xander Bogarts. Um, I also think it's interesting something that Buster told us yesterday. I'm sure it's going to be discussed. Um, not only him, but then, you know, Rich Hill and Michael Waka. Uh, you could begin to look at different pieces and parts. You know, you and I have talked about how embarrassing the negotiations for Bogarts were and how strange the one-year extension offer was when you compare that with what Trevor Story got, with what Javier Baez got. So I think the idea that they would, you know, look at midsummer and do a sell-off, that might work if you're like a mid-market team. It's not going to work in Boston. That's not going to play. Interesting. Um I think if the Red Sox are way out of it, you will see a sell-off of guys that we don't care about as much. Hill, Waka, maybe even Kike. But trading away Bogarts will be on a whole different level there. So I really think 
not to get way inside baseball, I really do think that the July 25th deadline for the qualifying offer kind of looms large here. Um, you know, I think that that is a really big deal in, all, in this whole thing. Like, if they're truly going to get nothing if Bogarts leaves, then they're more likely to trade him. If the qualifying offer stays here, well, then I think they're more likely to try to keep him, play it out, see what happens in the offseason. Um, all right. There is one thing I want to play here. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe talking about kind of where he puts the blame for this whole Red Sox mess. I blame ownership. You know me. It's like Bloom. these aren't his decisions. I mean, he's, no. he's been told to cut costs. Do what you have to do to cut costs. Be Tampa. We can win just as many games and spend half the money. That's what they're aiming for. And it's blowing up in the face. The worst thing, in my view, that could have happened was the hint of success last year. They crept into the playoffs by a one game. You know, got in, didn't play well. You know, wiped out the Yanks in the one game, wiped out Tampa, pretty good. It looked like they were going to wipe out Houston. I think that deluded them into thinking, we got this figured out. Watch us go now. Yeah, I'm I'm completely in agreement with Dan Shaughnessy here. I, I agree with that sentiment totally. I think the Red Sox massively overreached last year. You know, I wasn't a believer in them until, like, late July at the earliest last year. I never thought they were as good as their record was indicating. I do believe that success changed how ownership felt about the team. I think last year was supposed to be a rebuild year. They massively overachieved. This year they went in feeling like they could just tinker and everything, you know, and feel like they didn't have to do that much in order to get over the hump. That's why you saw them go for Rich Hill, Michael Waka. That's why they didn't go for Carlos Rodon or Noah Syndergaard or Justin Verlander. They didn't do a ton in the pen, like going after Kenley Jansen. I think they just thought... Oh, we were so good last year, we can just tinker a little bit. We have to give them credit for going after Trevor Story, but by and large, I think ownership saw how good they were last year and just assumed they were in that same spot again this year, and and I don't think that's clearly not the case. I think last year their record definitely gave a false idea of how good the Red Sox were. Again, they did it for a whole season, so congratulations to them, but... I think ownership needed to take a deeper dive at everything and say, you know what, we're probably not as good as our record indicates. We get a message on the text line that says, uh, I wonder if the Reds would trade Luis Castillo for Bogarts in his walk year. I have to assume that that is a shot at the Reds' front office from a Reds fan here on the Brady Farkas show. Um, the, the Xander Bogarts has a no-trade clause. We do have to remember that. Like He has a no-trade clause. So he might waive it to go to a contender. He's not waving it to go to the Reds. So I think that was more of a shot at the Reds than it was any actual serious entertainment of a conversation. But Xander Bogarts has a no-trade clause. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. A couple of pieces of audio I want to play you from a couple of new Patriots who spoke this week. We'll tell you what Mac Wilson and Terrence Mitchell had to say. That's next on DEV. Your chance to be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026. This is former NFL wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson, and now we're back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV Radio and WDEVRadio.com. 
Thank you very much. Keyshawn, Brady Farkas Show, back at it here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. A couple of interesting pieces of audio this week came out of Foxborough at Patriots Place. A couple of new Patriots spoke on joining the squad. And here's Terrence Mitchell, the defensive back, who's going to pair with Malcolm Butler, at least as of now, to form what we think is the Patriots' top two DBs. And when you think about as a kid, you know, NBA, you got... Phil Jackson, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls. And when you think about NFL, you know, dynasties like the Patriots, man, like there's no other. So, you know, I think every kid, you know, growing up in this era, seeing the Patriots and being able to play for them is just like, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, that's self-explanatory right there, man. The Pats, that's the team for real. You know, I, I thought that was interesting. I've always said that different things motivate different people but this is really the first time that i've really sat and realized how influential the patriots were to some people growing up like when i think of iconic nfl franchises and iconic brands we all think of the same ones steelers cowboys raiders packers i've never really thought about the patriots as an iconic brand but to people of of this age group. I think Terrence Mitchell is 29 heading for 30, I think. So he's in my age group. Like, people in our age group, the, the Patriots are an iconic brand. For people of, of my, people between 20 and 30, I think the Patriots are in that stratosphere. So, you know, I may look at it and think, or someone else who's 40 may say, oh, yeah, playing for the Raiders would be iconic. Well, Playing for the Patriots is iconic to somebody of Mitchell's age. And I had never really thought like that because I've been inundated so much with history of the NFL. Well, the Patriots are they're front and center in history to people of this age. So uh, I thought that was interesting that Mitchell said, look, I want to be a Patriot. I've seen them win a lot. Like, to him, they are the Yankees. To him, they are the Lakers. To him... They are the preeminent franchise. Now, look, he needed a job, and I'm sure he would have signed with Jacksonville if it was the only place that would have him. But when it came down to it, a chance to play for the Patriots was certainly something that he was excited by because to him, that is a historic franchise in the league. Mac Wilson is a new linebacker for the Patriots. They got him in a trade from the Cleveland Browns. He was at Alabama, a little older than Mac Jones, but he remembers a young Mac. Like I remember Mac when he was a pup, you know, and just just seeing, you know, how much he he grew as a person and a player is just some it, it amazed me, you know, because growing up and uh, obviously when we was in college, you know, I was telling everybody back home, friends and family, like Mac Jones gonna be special. Mac Jones was going to be special. Mac, I got to give Mac this. Mac Jones seems to be very well liked by his teammates. And I think that's really important. And maybe, you know, that goes without saying. Like, you want your quarterback to be liked. You want your quarterback to be a leader. But Mac Jones does seem to really make an impact on people. And when Mac Wilson is an older player who's a defensive player, you know, you think that maybe he's not a guy in college that Mac Jones would connect with. Like, think about when you were in college. You're a freshman and you're talking with juniors or seniors. Are you making great friends with those guys? Not necessarily, especially when they're not on your side of the ball. 
Mac Jones was still able to connect and make an impact with Mac Wilson. And that, that has been a general theme about Mac Jones, that he's well-liked, that he's a good leader, that he makes an impact. I think that that's important. And none of that necessarily is going to lead to the Patriots winning 10 games versus 8 games or winning 13 games versus 11 games. But it is important. As a guy who you want to build your franchise around for the foreseeable future, Mac Jones at least does the CEO-type stuff well. Mac Wilson also said that Mac Jones has a swagger. We didn't get to see that a whole lot in 2021, but maybe we'll see more of it in 2022. Speaking of swagger, did you see the note that Mac Jones, I believe is top five in the NFL in jersey sales over like the last year? That shocks me. Mac may have the internal swagger, and he may appeal to Patriots fans, but I can't imagine like Mac Jones appealing nationally. I mean, fine, a lot of Patriots fans needed to replace Tom Brady and Cam Newton jersey, so there were Patriots fans that just needed to get jerseys. So I understand a high volume of Mac Jones jerseys being sold. But to be top five, you have to have league-wide appeal. You have to appeal to all fan bases. And I don't know that I saw that, right? Like, Patrick Mahomes appeals to all fan bases. Justin Herbert right now has wowed the league, appeals to all fan bases. DK Metcalf, Kyler Murray. These are the kind of guys that appeal to all fan bases. I don't know that I got that impression from Mac Jones. I really didn't. But top five NFL jersey sales. Can we pull up the exact list please everybody um let's see mm, all right i think i think this is the uh the yeah tom brady is number one i think so um yeah brady's on the list okay that is not the fullest but brady is up there so i all right i'm not going to waste more of your time looking for the exact list but um maybe we'll pull it out after the uh after the commercial break. But yeah, I do not see Mac Jones being a guy who is that revered. Okay, here you go. Tom Brady was one. Patrick Mahomes was two. Josh Allen was three. Joe Burrow was four. That I can see. Mac Jones, five. Then Dak Prescott, George Kittle, Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar, uh, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, TJ Watt, CeeDee Lamb, Aaron Donald, Nick Chubb. Brady... He appeals to everybody. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow. All that makes sense to me. Mac Jones, I, I don't think he's on their level. He's not as good as those players, and he wasn't as personable as those players. So th that really did surprise me. Good for Mac. Good for the Patriots. Apparently they do have a much more marketable star, a much more marketable quarterback than I gave them credit for. But uh, I was happy to... Uh, I was happy to see Mac Jones on that list. So, uh, yeah, we get a message here that says, yeah, Sean Wade says they called Mac money-making Mac in high school. So, yeah, well, Mac Jones, I told you, he resonates with players. Players do seem to like him. Kyle Van Noy was on the Pat McAfee show today and said he loves Mac Jones and thinks that he's going to be great. So he does appeal to his teammates. That's a huge benefit. Doesn't mean the Pats are going to go to the Super Bowl because of it, but I'd certainly rather him make that impact rather than not when we come back first off national news update then we'll come back we'll check in with the nba kyrie irving just just stop talking 
just stop talking because you're, it's it's not stop talking. It's have some self awareness. I should I should amend that. Have some self awareness. He continues to not. I'll tell you what Kyrie had to say next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM FM and WDEVradio.com. How appropriate of a song, shipping up to Boston. Red Sox baseball comes up here in about five and a half minutes on WDEV. We'll get you the lineups here momentarily. The show brought to you in part by Pro Driver Training, online at ProDriverCDL.com. They are Vermont's premier truck driver training school. The lack of self-awareness from Kyrie Irving just continues to be mind-boggling. Here's what he was talking about on some podcast somewhere about... Uh, Kind of being the face of the vaccine, anti-vax resistance, whatever. I was not expecting, you know, a mandate to yeah. be brought down in a way that it wasn't going to allow me to play at all. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I had the opportunity to play away games still, but there there was no plan in place. There was no vision of, like, how it's going to work for our team. And I, and I think that really impacted um, not just me, but a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So. You know, just had to sit in, the, sit in that hot seat for a little bit and deal with it, man. Life of a martyr, bro. Life of a martyr, Kyrie says. Kyrie had said all season that he didn't want to really be the face of the anti-vax movement. That's like what he said all season. Like I'm sure if I went through and looked at Kyrie Irving audio that we have in our system here, I'm sure I would find... Here, Kyrie Irving on October 14th. On the court, you know, first thing... When uh, you know, what's being said about me particularly or for anybody is just saying, you know, I'm standing with all those that, uh, you know, believe in what's right and are doing what's right for themselves. You know, everybody has a personal choice with their lives. Uh, you know, everybody has a right to feel a certain type of way. Everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Everybody's entitled to, to do what they feel is best for themselves, you know, and, and putting me as a hero or painting me as a villain, sort of say, or going against the vaccine mandates. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't my intent at all. That wasn't my intent, he says. Like, it was, don't paint me as a hero, don't paint me as a villain. That's what he said. October 14th, Kyrie Irving says, don't paint me as a hero, don't paint me as a villain. But today, you know, here we are, May 6th. What's the end of that say? Just had to sit in, the, sit in that hot seat for a little bit and deal with it, man. Life of a martyr, bro. Life of a martyr. A martyr means that you are standing up for something and you are taking the heat because of it. Kyrie Irving's telling you six months ago, I don't want to be this guy. I'm making a decision, but I don't want to be the face of anything. When you're the martyr, you essentially are the face of something. The, just the lack of self-awareness continues to just astound me. Ralph says... Irving and his disaster. I would never want him on my team. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today. Kyrie Irving is great for the NBA. Great for the NBA. He's controversial. He's brilliant as a player. We love to talk about him. Kyrie drives conversation. He's great for the NBA. He's great for the media around the NBA. He's not great for the teams that he's actually on. He, you know, wanted out of Cleveland. He helped blow that thing up. Now, they won a title, so i got to give him credit to that, obviously. But he helped ruin the Caps. Then he helped ruin Boston. And thus far, he has helped ruin Brooklyn. I mean, Kyrie Irving is great for the league. He is not great for the teams that he is on. Celtics, however, well, 
they were great when they beat Kyrie and swept them out of the first round. They're going to take on the Bucks tomorrow at 3.30. That series is tied at one game apiece. Marcus Smart looks like he will be good to go in that series. He said that, uh, I believe, I will be, you know, all signs trend towards me playing. Feels good. A couple of days off between this. So game two is on Tuesday. Game three on Saturday. A couple of days off. Certainly, we're going to help them. Red Sox baseball comes up 90 seconds from now. Sox welcome the White Sox to town. So let's take a look at your lineup here uh, from Fenway Park. Hold on. Don't lose the music. My mistake. 11 and 13 are the Pale Hose. The Sox are 10 and 16. Vince Velasquez pitches for Chicago. Nathan Evaldi pitches for Boston. Velasquez 1 and 2 with a 4-5-8. Evaldi 1 and 0 with a 2-5-1. Tim Anderson leads off for the White Sox. AJ Pollock is in right field. The former Vermont Mountaineer, he bats second. Jose Abreu is at first. Luis Robert is back in the lineup for Chicago in center. Yasmani Grandal is the designated hitter, hitting 169. Gavin Sheets is in left. Jake Berger's at third. Reese McGuire, the catcher, and Leori Garcia is at second. The White Sox are without multiple starters, so they are without right now Eloy Jimenez, who's out for a minimum of two months. They're without Yoan Moncada as well, so... That's where you see a lineup with a lot of pieces you haven't really heard of much here. But the Sox, again, come in here having won a couple of games here in a row. Nathan Evaldi, 1-0 with a 2-5-1 ERA. Again, the Red Sox have not put out their official lineup on uh, MLB.com, but we have seen it somewhere. So uh, I know that Jaron Duran is leading off. I know that Trevor Story is hitting second. See if we can find it real quickly here before we head home for the day, but uh, eh. nope, cannot see it right now. So we'll we'll have to wait for the official pregame show right now. <laughs> 